and tell me that he had somebody in the service who was, uh, I guess she had brain cancer. I didn't know she had, uh, I don't think I, I didn't know she couldn't understand. I didn't know she couldn't communicate. She'd already advanced to that point. I just knew she had brain cancer. And so I said, well, God, any hope of me ministering supernaturally to her is gone, so what do you want me to do? Because you didn't send her here just to be sitting here. You want her to be ministered to. So she was, her and her husband sitting on the front seat the Lord said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go out, and here's what I want you to do. Tell the people, this is not for you tonight. You can get in on it and be a, you'll be blessed, but this is for this lady right here. And I'm going to preach directly to her, Isaiah 53. So I opened my Bible, Isaiah 53, and said right there and preach directly to her. She was, and, and I would say something, and she'd say amen. I didn't know she couldn't. <laughs> nobody told me she wasn't able to do that. And if I'd say something funny like you do sometimes, she'd laugh. Her husband wasn't too happy. He looked like he'd been weaned on a dill pickle. But she was happy. And so I thought, that's what a strange, what a strange situation, you know. And I found out later all that was going on. Well, we didn't see any major results as far as that. But about two months later, they called and said the word. The word preached brought healing to her, and God removed all the cancer from her brain. She was healed by the power of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, brother, the Word of God is powerful. I can tell you that right now. The Bible says that it's quick, it's alive, and it's powerful. And so I'm grateful for that. So if we, if we, uh, if it gets where we can't hear you and the mic runs out, I'll just come right to you and preach an individual sermon to you. And, and whatever you need, maybe God will just give it to you through His Word. Amen. I, uh, you know, sometimes you know what you're going to do, and sometimes you have no clue. Most of the times I have no clue, and sometimes once in a while I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, you wrestle around because you, uh, one thing about ministering, whether you have a small crowd or a large crowd, you always have abundant different, abundantly different kinds of needs. And sometimes some are, have a priority over others. God wants them ministered to. So he directs you certain ways with your word. And uh, one of the things about a prophetic uh, ministry is that it'll be very directional sometimes. It'll be very right to the point so that you can get, uh, so that, you know, you'll make sure you understand. You know, God, I was looking at something today, and God spoke specifically to Ezekiel, told him a certain day, a certain time. He wrote down a certain day, a certain time. God said this, and I was in the visions of the Lord, and I saw this, and we may talk about that some, so I won't say too much. But, uh, you know, he, God's very specific. Well, I, I, I'm going to trust him tonight. That's all I can do. Uh, it's a thousand things going on in my mind. But we're going to open once again to 2 Corinthians 4, where we started Sunday night. And I, maybe, I don't know if there will be any weed, weed pulling going on here tonight or not. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but let me, let me tell you, and I, I warned you right up front. If you didn't get born real good, I'm going to warn you again. In revival... There are plateaus that you go to, and then there, then then you seem like you go down in the valley, and when you come back out, you go to a higher level. Amen. You know the scripture said, and I'm looking. This is not my text, but 
the scripture said, for our light affliction, what is, which is but for a moment. I've never had a light affliction. <laughs> See, now, the, I think that's the funniest, strangest thing in the world for God to say, for the Apostle Paul to say, or God to say through the Apostle Paul, your light affliction. Because no affliction seems to be light to anybody. And then, it don't seem to last for a moment. It seems to last forever. It seems like you never can get away from it, right? Which is a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, I was trying to get my wife to re remind me or remember me. Or to remember to me or remember for me would be a better way to say it. A scripture, and I believe it's a different version than the King James. We know we have eternity in our heart. Do you know in one way there is a graduation day coming when we're going to step out of this body and everything's going to be more real than it's ever been? But right at this moment, you have heaven in you. And when I say that, I mean heaven is going to be filled with the presence of God now. The earth, the Bible said, is full of the glory of God. I know it don't look like it. We used to sing an old song. All over the world, the Spirit is moving. All over the world, like the prophet said it would be. Deep down in my heart, there's a mighty revelation of the knowledge of the Lord. And la-da-da-da-da-da, whatever the last few words were, I don't got them right now, but... Anyway, you know, I want to say to you that, you know, there's some chapters of the Bible that helps me. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 4 are, are a tremendous eye-opener where it comes to revelation and the things of God and the glory of God. Now, I'm not going to preach out of all of them. I may, I may not. But and then 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is another one that's been unsurmountable in its helped to me because it's helped me understand some things spiritually. But here's what I want to talk about again tonight. I'm going to talk about uh, this verse right here. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, light, once again, is representative of revelation. Let me tell you this much. You will never walk in what you do not see. You won't walk in it. You can read the Bible, and you can read it and memorize it. But until the revelation of it comes to you, you won't walk in it. Once you walk in, you know why I say that? Because there's a, in, in, inherently in every one of us not to be obedient, not, not willfully disobedient. But we just, we, whatever the right way is to say that, we're just not going to do certain things until we see the gravity in which God set them and, and understand that God means business about what He said in His Word. He doesn't change His mind about nothing. He's ever the same, always the same. I've said this right in the very beginning. Anything, if God ever changes, He ceases to be God. Amen. You ought to go get a book by uh, A.W. Tozer on the attributes of God. I think he has two of them. And you ought to read that, and you ought to make that a, a, a book that you read on a continuous basis because he talks about how God is and some things some of the best one of the best two books that you'll ever buy on the attributes of God they'll be a real tremendous help to you but he says repeatedly out through, throughout those books anytime God don't do a certain thing that his word or he changes the way he is now we we see things in the scripture looks like he does but he doesn't 
He's consistently the same. We, we change, but he don't change. We have to change. He's the same, Jesus said. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he, and so he, and I said all I have to say this. The Spirit of God is the earnest of our inheritance. If we want to say it another way, he is the presence of God in the earth. Or he is the Spirit of glory. Hallelujah. He's all of that. And like we sometimes say, he's all that in a bucket of chicken. He is too, praise God, more than that. Amen? He's all of that. And so God commanded, he commanded light to shine. You know, if you look at Genesis, before there ever was sun, there was light. He has to be talking about revelation, revealing something, because there was a light that came before God ever created the sun. And so there is some kind of, there's some kind of a flow that's involved there. I'm not sure that I understand everything that's being said, but I do know that our eyes can be opened, and they should be opened to the things of God. So he commands light to shine out of the darkness. I'm glad because, brother, darkness is bad, and I know something about some darknesses, and you do too, sure. And he hath shined, then that light that he's talking about, that he shined out, has shined in our heart. Or our spirit man. Okay? Your heart being your spirit man, not, not your physical heart. People don't know the difference sometimes between the soul, the spirit, and the body. But the Bible makes a distinction. He said the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than the two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sinner's soul and spirit. And goes to even to the joints and marrows of the bone is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So there is a dividing line. And so he shined in her heart. Now, there's some things... I don't know how to say this to you. I'm going to say it this way, and hopefully I can explain what I'm saying. Some things, most things can be taught, but some things can only be caught. We can, for example, we can teach you certain things about the anointing of God, but the anointing that the disciples had came as a result of sitting under the ministry of Jesus Christ and hearing Him preaching the Word of God, and our impartation took place. John 17, 4, He said, It is finished. He was referring to the finished work of imparting that anointing to those disciples whom it looked like they never received anything at first until the Spirit of glory came on them on the day of Pentecost. When that Spirit power came upon him, now this is going to be a flat-footed stand behind the pulpit and teach and preach tonight, so get ready for that, as far as I know. Because we want to, get a, we want to say some things, and God will help us. He will help us. Right now, I ain't going the direction I thought I'd go, but what difference does that make? Amen. God knows the, the direction we need to take, right? And so there's, so there's, so there, in your heart, there is an abundant avenue of revelation. Now, I'm going to finish this first for the, for the sake of some who didn't hear us uh, Sunday night. So, and then I'll come back and say some more. He said, in whom the, I, I'm sorry, verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light or the revelation of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He prayed that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. What amazes me is sometimes I've, I've said that verse many, many times, but revelation is associated with glory. The presence of God. I mean, I've, I've, I've preached that verse hundreds of times, haven't I? I've, I've gone three or four different directions preaching that scripture in Ephesians 1, 17. 
Uh, and then he goes on, let the eyes of our understanding be opened and enlightened. I'm probably not going to quote that exactly. But open and enlightened that we might know the hope that's ours in Christ and know the riches of that glory. Well, there's a, there's some, there is a, there is, we have eternity in our heart. I'll look that verse up and see if I can remember. We can find it and I'll make sure I'll get, get you the, the address on it. But, the, but that's a powerful, that's a powerful thought. We have, we have something, we have, in other words, we have started eternity at the day we got born again. We used to sing an old song, some of you will know. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins he washed away, my night he turned to day. A heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Well, it goes deeper than your soul. Your soul is made up by your intellect, by your personality, by your will. But your spirit is the eternal part of you that's like God. Well, then one of the primary ways that God reveals things is by inward witness. In fact, that's the highest order. Uh, uh, of revelation that you can get from God but it's not maybe the most spectacular because there's levels of visions and open vision of course being you know like I'm just be looking at someone right here and God or I'll be looking at God just like I'm looking at someone here and God just starts talking to me I don't know of any time I've ever had that except one time right here in Florida when I was going to Bible school about 100 years ago yeah uh and I had an angel appear in a human body, but I didn't know it. I forgot it for 20 years. And then when God wanted me to remember it, it all began to come back to me. Perfectly. And I remembered every bit of the details that went on that day, you know, that were significant to me. I can't tell you every detail, but I mean, that were significant for me. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I was about as open as a vision can get. And yet, somebody said, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then... Tell God these words a lie because he said, Be careful to entertain strangers, but so doing you entertain angels unaware. So sometimes that happens. Now I have seen angels in my spirit. I see that frequently. I have seen when I died, I saw the angel that was sent to guard me because a demon was trying to kill me in February 2010, 11.02 in the morning, like Brother Hagin says sometimes. <laughs> Amen. 11.02 in the morning, and I dropped dead from. From running on a, you know, from a sudden cardiac arrest, it's called from running. There was a, when I went straight to the valley of the shadow of death, I saw what I now but know to be and believe to be a demon spirit that was assigned to kill me. But when I went to the hospital, my wife, my, my daughter, and my son came to visit. I hate hospitals, and I hate hospital beds, and I hate hospital gowns, if you call them that. I call it the closest thing to pornography you can find myself. But anyway. I, you know, ain't no way you can wear them and it comes out looking right. So you just, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I, was, I got out of the bed and didn't want to be sitting in the bed. They, they had no restriction on me. So I'm sitting down in the chair, probably just like about this height, maybe a little higher. And my family was sitting over there and I said to them, I said, you, you see this fellow sitting right here? They said, no, we don't see nobody. Well, you know, when you've been like I have, they think you might have crazy, I guess. But they didn't think that. I saw that angelic beings leg above his knee as big as a small person's waist. I don't know how tall he was because I didn't look up. I don't know why I didn't do it. 
And I know my angel stands, uh, stands guard and watches me all the time. He's right here somewhere in this building. He's probably right behind me, or maybe close to me, or over here to the side of where he's at. Don't know. I've seen him as well. But that's certain things you can see. I've seen him. Open vision, I saw him. He has a beard. Ain't that nice? Nice little beard. Well, when I saw him, nice little beard around him. And he communicates without talking. He just communicates. Certain things imparted to you. Well, I'm saying some of these things to help you understand a little bit. Because the ways of God, because we're talking about how to operate and flow in the glory of God. And sometimes people are waiting for what we sometimes call the spectacular and missing the supernatural. Now, my point here tonight is we just can't randomly come floating into a church house and get in the presence of God just any old way we want to. There's some preparation need to be made inside of us, some things that we need to understand. And one of the reasons why we don't see more in a lot of churches, we don't see more things happen is because people come in. They're, now listen to me, don't misunderstand me. I love worship, I love praise, I love it when it's done right. But the thing about it, sometimes they're so intent on getting in doing their little thing in worship that they don't, they don't totally get the idea. Sometimes you just be better if you come into church, didn't do anything but just stand there and worship and praise God 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 and keep on worshiping and praising God that you think you can't stand it. And by the time you think you can't stand it, He's going to come down and fill you full. Huh? Now see what we we I pastored I, I played the piano I can't I'm not very good on electric piano I because I, I like to bang them. I think I'm just going to prophesy a baby grand over here in this corner so when I come back it'll be one there okay. Can I do that? And if you got baby grand money, go ahead and buy one and put it in. And I'll play it before I leave. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. But 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 I I, I like to lead worship. And 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 I did lead worship, but a lot of times when I pastored the church. I, I I led all I did lead the worship, but sometimes I wouldn't say anything. As far as music was concerned, I just go to the pulpit and start praising God. One time, one time the Lord told me I come into the church. He said, "I want you to go in and stand behind the pulpit and speak in tongues. Don't say anything. To lie. Don't say nothing. Just stand there and speak in tongues." So I sat there and prayed and spoke in tongues for you know forty-five minutes. Somebody said, "Well, that's not scripture." Well, I'll take it up with God. I believe it is. I believe I can prove it, too. But, uh, in fact, I know I can. Amen. Hallelujah. But I wouldn't be saying it if I didn't. But the fact is, we stood there for 45 minutes. God told me not to, not to preach. He said, tell him good night. So I just said good night and went home. Hallelujah. Come back the next Wednesday night did the same thing. And, brother, we started having an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I said to the Lord, what, please tell me what made this happen. Because I don't know what made it happen. If you tell me, we'll do some more of it so we can make it happen all the time. But we had a visitation of God that lasted several months. And I mean, we had, we had, we had young believers. I had young people. You, I mean, young, you, you haven't never pastored anything. You pastor a church with a bunch of 17, 18-year-old kids that's married and got uh, two or three kids. And go look at their faces on Sunday morning and know that they have fussed and fought all the way to church. And, and they're, they're sitting. They ain't got it all worked out yet. They're sitting there. And, and you've got to preach to that face and that crowd. And I just, you know, I said, God, I need some help here. 
Well, I'd have a, I had a little song, We're Together Again, just praising the Lord, or another little song, Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord, or something like that, and I'd make them love on one another and get themselves kind of straightened out a little bit so we could have a move of God. But when that Holy Ghost hit, we had, we had such visitations of the Spirit of God, it, it almost blow your mind when it was taking place. You couldn't stand it. And I, I, I thought, God, I don't know what we did. But he kind of made me understand that some of that that happened on that Wednesday night service was something to do with it. I don't know if, it, if God just through the Spirit caused us to pray and break through something or what He did. I still can't explain that. But I just have an understanding. And we had, and I, we had a lot of praying and speaking in tongues. And, and I said I almost hung a sign out on the front, enter at your own risk. Because I've gone to churches on Sunday morning. And I tell you, I've been in mortuaries had more life than that. I mean, some of them churches are dead. I mean, they're drying last year's bird nest. They're so dead you can't even. They're twice dead, plucked up by the roots, clouds without water, the Scripture said. I mean, they're bad. And you're trying to get something to happen. Like one fellow said he went to this church and said he was he, he had a ministry of power. He, but he said, I went to this church and that was the coldest church I'd ever been in in my entire life. He said, you could ice skate from the front to the back down the middle aisle. It was so cold. And he said, God, what are you doing in this place? And he said, nothing. And don't you start anything either. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I'd rather mean one's got something going, wouldn't you? Amen. Hallelujah. But now, the way... There's a way. There's some things we got to understand about God's presence. Now we got some scriptural precedents for it. Let's go to Psalms 100, please. We're talking about finding a way into the glory of uh, into the glory of God, learning how to operate in the glory of God. And Psalms 100 is one of those ways. And I want to talk about that just a little bit. I'm sure you know it because we've sing it. Uh, you know, many years. We did. I don't know if you sing a song. Uh, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. You sing that. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. i got the singies on me tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's all right. I'll take up a double offering for the singer. Now, I'm joking. I'm joking. Make a joyful noise, he said. Well, you know, I thought about that word noise there, and it, it really means to split the ear. You know, you ever hear people say, boy, that's an ear-splitting sound. Somebody did maybe have a loud car, a loud horn, a loud muffin. Boy, said that thing almost split your ears. Well, that's kind of what that word noise there, make a joyful noise, means to split the ear uh, with sound. And it really speaks of intensity more than volume. And yet, all of that's included. In other words, there would be an intensity in our worship, our, 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 our praise. I'm talking about the his court. We're going to get to that verse here in a minute. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's the second thing. A merry heart does good like a medicine. That word there means merry heart. Or the word blithe, I think, is the word in the, in the Greek. means not caring or wearing. Isn't that something? When you think about entering God's presence, now listen to me. We, if we get this far tonight, we're going to talk about certain things that grieve the Holy Ghost. Certain things that the Bible has to say about the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of glory. So it's very important that you understand that, that heart issues, things that you bring to church, what you hinders where you go and how deep you go in God's presence. See, I don't know all your cares. I don't know all the difficulties you do. But people come into the church house and they got loads on their back and they won't, they, won't lay it, they won't lay it off on the Lord. They just carry it right on in there. And they try to press on through and they cannot press through because they've got that thing hanging over their head. And when, when he says, uh, serve the Lord with gladness, he means lay that stuff aside when you come into the house of God. Mentally, put it aside. 
Say, that's not this. If you have to just say quietly or inside, this is not my care. I'm not going to worry about this. I come to, I come to the house to show my gladness to the Lord. I'm glad, David said, when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because in the house of the Lord in his day, was the, he was talking about the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was contained. The same principle applies to you and I. We are in a place when we come together, two or more gathered. He said he would be there. So we are the temple of God. We are the house of God. We are the containers of the presence of God. And so when we come into the house of God, we need to come in with gladness. Two things God said to me when I was dead. I don't like them, he said. He said, I don't like it when my people don't forgive one another. And I don't like it when they're, when they're unthankful or not glad. He said that to me. And so he, uh, that was important. Now, uh, maybe that don't mean quite as much to you, but when he said it to me, it meant a whole lot to me because I'll be honest with you, I was grumbling about some things. And I, and I wasn't real happy about some things. And so he, I, had to, I had to get some adjustment. But, but I also realized that it's indicative of a lot of God's people. You look at the Old Testament, uh, God's people stayed in a grumbling state of mind all the time, groaning and complaining, groaning and complaining. Finally, God got tired of it and said, let me wipe them out. You know, he presented Moses with a real opportunity. He said, let me wipe them out and I'll raise up a whole new group out of you. Now, if that man's heart wasn't right, he'd have been some fried Israeli crispy critters. Because yeah. God would have wiped them out. So we serve the Lord with, we, we, we serve him with gladness. And we make a joyful noise. And then he said, we enter his gates or the openings. Of the Lord, that is. Let me stop there a minute. Do you know? Uh, I don't know how to explain this to you. I think I can tell you, I'll give you an illustration. I'm going to have to think about it in just a minute. But I believe that there's the, the possibilities of heaven opening. And the reason I say that, because when uh, I'm thinking about. Uh, let me, just keep your little Bible marker right here for just a minute and go with me to John chapter 1. I, I want a verse, I want a verse or two I want to read there. This is, uh, this is cranking them up tonight and getting you ready for tomorrow night and the next few nights. Hallelujah. So when it happens, you're going to know what's happening. Amen. John 50 and 1, chapter 1, verse 50. Jesus is talking to Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, Anything good come out of Nazareth? He said, Well, I, you know, come and see. That's what he's. His brother told him. And, uh, and then he said, then he said, uh, Jesus encountered him. And he said, uh, I'm going to read, I'm going to read maybe more than I intend to read here. He said, Jesus saw Nathanael coming, verse 47, John 1, 47, and said unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. He wasn't making a snarly remark there. He was saying it because it was true. And he said, Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under a fig tree, I saw thee. That's called a word of knowledge. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, or teacher, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Now see, he, that was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, and it just it excited him. He said, Man, this has got to be the one. But watch what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw you under a fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Thou shalt see, if it's him. Listen, let me tell you something. If God ever did it for one person, he'll do it for anybody. 
If God ever appeared to one person, he'll appear to anybody. If you ever heal one person, he'll heal anybody. If you ever save one person, he'll save anybody. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, the scripture said. So if God ever did it for one, he'd do it for another. He's, not the, he's no respecter of persons. The Bible said that. Well, say, how come some don't get it? I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not the answer man. But sometimes they don't believe it. Sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And then he said, uh, in verse 51, and he said, Verily, or truly, truly. Every time he uses that word twice, it means it's an established fact. I say unto you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God descending and descending, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Took him right back to the story about Jacob. He was an Israelite who's no guile. He knew exactly what Jesus is talking about. Uh, 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 Jacob found a portal. Oh, poor old deceiving, conniving Jacob found a portal, a ladder that runs straight to heaven. I believe a ladder or an opening to heaven is wherever somebody will press through and keep pressing through until they break through the barriers and all of the restrictions the devil tries to put on you and I and press ourselves into the power and the glory of God and then heaven can come down and glory can fill the soul. Hallelujah. Glory to God forever. But a lot of times we don't go that far because we worry about what somebody's going to think about us. What if they think we're a fanatic? Hallelujah. I was preaching right over here, uh, I believe it was... Uh, Years and years ago, I can't remember if it was Lake Alfred or if it was Auburndale. I, got to, I think it was Auburndale. And I got the Holy Ghost on me one night in the church, and I took out of that building, glory to God, and I run around that church like a Comanche engine on the outside, screaming hallelujah and praise the Lord. And, and done it till I got through and run back in. And I didn't care really a whole lot what anybody thought about me as a young Christian. I just shouted and praised God. And come to think, I was a Jehovah Witness living next door, and the next thing you know, he's coming into the church getting saved. I scared the devil out of him, I reckon. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah. Well, sometimes, you know, I'm not, I don't advocate doing that. I, I, I understand because we've been praying with you about some of your neighbor's situation around here, so maybe you better stay in the building. But, but if God gets on you, I'll follow you out. At least you'll have company. You know, misery loves company. Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't want to just stir people up to be stirring them up. But, but, you know, here's the thing about it. It's not bad if the Spirit of God's in it. It's when the Spirit of God's not in it to do those things. That's when you get in trouble. If the Spirit of God's in it, you're all right. But a lot of folks just take off because that's what they do. You know, the first church I pastored, they, they were, I found out some of them couldn't read and write, so that, was a, that caused a problem that I didn't know that at first. But I tell you what, on Sunday morning, sometimes the Spirit of God get to moving. Whoo, my. I mean, you really get to moving. We had one lady, Sister Lillard, and, my wife and I just got back together. We'd been separated and divorced for a while, and we just got back together, and we was in the church, and Sister Little was a big, tall lady, and that was the most beautiful, graceful dance dancer I've ever seen. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't manufactured and conjured up. It was a real Holy Ghost dance. And she just come down and grabbed my wife up, and her and my wife just danced across and back and forth across the front of the church. Hallelujah. But the thing about it was, somewhere along the line, they didn't make them understand that that don't just happen the next service because it happened the first service. It's not by power nor by might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord of hosts. Amen? And so uh, it took a little while to get them to a place where they could flow like it. But I, I, I think back about it. And when I passed it, it was kind of tough because I lived under the threat of a gun the whole time I was there being killed. And that part wasn't fun. But when I think back about it, there were some good times 
where the Spirit of God moved in a powerful way. And, and really some of the training process that, uh, that God brought in my life happened in, with that group of people, even though uh, they were a long ways from perfect like all the rest of us. They, they still had an understanding about moving of the Spirit of God and moving in the Spirit. And it kind of helps you when you're like that. And, and, and they were good people, brother. And when God come down, he come down too. Thank God he come down. Hallelujah. Sometimes the old-time Pentecostals, uh, they've been pushed to the side the last few years. And like, you know, they don't know nothing. But I tell you, sometimes the old-time Pentecostals had some understanding about the Holy Ghost, how to move in the Spirit of God. And, and we need we, some things we need to draw back up out of there. In the last days, the Bible said he's going to pour out of the former and latter rain together. He's going to bring some of this stuff together if we let it happen. Hallelujah. And when that starts happening, glory to God, we're going to have some things, thank God. And there's some, you know, we got people today. That's why my wife and I, we've talked about it. And we, we don't know exactly why God uses us the way he does, but he does. And we're grateful that he does. But we realize that we have a generation of people that know very little of anything at all about the moving of the Holy Ghost. You know, most churches don't have, they don't allow certain things to happen on Sunday morning. They restrict God moving on Sunday morning. And then they say, well, we don't want to happen on Sunday morning. Well, then have Sunday night, ignorant. Hallelujah. So we'd have a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to cut every, you want, I, mean, I don't want God moving. What they want to do is, that's one of the things I'll get to in a minute. They want to get the Holy Ghost out of them, man, out of, the, out of their churches. They want to have some restricted something that's choreographed and looks, looks just like it's wonderful when in reality it's deader than 4 o'clock. It has no power. It has no anointing. It's a powerless church trying to do something to act like they have power. I don't like it. I better not get off on that trail. I'll get mean. So I better stay up here. Amen. Now watch. I will enter his gate, he said. In Psalm, back over in Psalms 100, I will enter his gate. His gate. He's opening. I'll get that. I'll get that opening. I'll get it open. How are you going to enter the opening? How are you going to enter it? He's telling you, enter his gates or get an opening. And here's how you do it. Thank God. That's how you do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Like you say in North Carolina, thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just start thanking God. You don't have to necessarily be this. Uh, you know, uh, obnoxious about it, and yet there will come a point where it'll get to, like we used to sing in the Methodist church, we didn't have much of it, but we sang it, bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. I'm singing, I'm shouting everywhere we go. We weren't doing none of that, but we sang it anyway. Maybe it was a prophetic thing for the days ahead, I don't know, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> we are bubbling. No bubbling nowhere. Somebody's, what do you mean bubbling? That's what prophecy is. The very raw gift of prophecy is a bubbling of the Spirit of God up in your soul and causing you to speak forth in a known language that brings edification to all who hear it. But the prophetic flowing in the church, which is a moving of the Holy Ghost, is the same thing in a little bit different way. It's the bubbling up. It's the springing up of something down in you. A spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and make me whole. Hallelujah. As something bubbling down on the inside it begins to come to a point where you're thanking God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And pretty soon you're just like a wild person. Hallelujah. You're going running through the trees like the Baptists used to do in North Carolina, through the trees, shouting and praising God. Hallelujah. You better be in the Holy Ghost because if you hit a tree, it's going to kill you if you're not. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now listen, here's another little, little thing that you might need to see about that. Deuteronomy 28. And this is kind of the verses God gave me when, I was, when he was talking to me about all of this 
uh, several years back, six years ago now. Hallelujah. Uh, last in February. Look at this now. He's talking about blessings and cursings. And, one of the, and we're talking about over here on the cursing side or things that will stop the flow of the Holy Ghost. Watch now. Verse 46, and they shall be upon thee. Uh, what am I looking at? Uh, they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder and upon thy seed forever because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness, with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thy enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and thirst and nakedness and want of all things, and shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck and have destroyed thee. That's not a good report. Did you know that? That's not something you want to. That's not something you want to be a have be a part of. But one of the things he says that happens when we when we don't or we're not thankful to God, there are some things that's going to come our way. I say, well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, I know it's Old Testament, but it's still going to come your way. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You, 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 you cannot uh, grumble and complain and expect to have the blessings of God. And I think we have the right, uh, Paul, uh, to, to say it's a New Testament thing as well, to praise God. Because he said, in all things, give thanks. Well, this is the will of God. Now, somebody wrote a book here about 50 years ago that said, thank God for cancer. God didn't give you cancer. You don't have to thank God for something he didn't give you. God didn't give you heart disease. He didn't give you those things that you deal with. Those, those are things that happen to you as a course of life or generational curses or generational uh, passing down of sicknesses or maybe even disobedience on your part and my part, opening the door for the devil, have access to come in and do anything he wants to. Those things are open. We open the door that way, but we can close that door if we learn how to worship and praise God the way we ought to. Hallelujah. And, and, and we can tap over into that glory. I'm still wanting to go back up at that open door and stay a while because I think there's something I need to say, but I haven't got it rolling up out of me yet. But anyway, but, but, but amen. But so Thanksgiving means, means the extending of the hand. It means adoration. It also means confession. And so we are going to confess the word of God. That's a, that's a form of worship to the Lord. We're going to raise our hand in adoration. And I tell people all the time, you need to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubt. And we have to force people to do it. That tells me that there is not the liberty of the Spirit of God, like he says in 2 Corinthians 3, in the church house, how it ought to be. We ought not to have to, have to coerce people to worship God. We ought to be having to say to you, we need to preach a little bit. Would you please just be quiet for about 30 or 40 minutes while we preach? Of course, you, from Brother Hughes, it'll be two or three hours. But anyway, be quiet for a little while so I can preach the word of God to you because we need to get the word preached because man chose God so chose to save man by the foolishness of preaching the scripture says amen but a lot of people just don't want to thank God because they got they got cares they're carrying all of their cares they're carrying them Jesus said I'll carry them no I don't want to care I don't want you to carry them all Lord I'll carry some of them no God don't want you carrying any of them he wants you to get rid of them now 2 Corinthians 4 I'm going there you're shouting so much I can't hardly preach but 2 Corinthians 4 is right in this context of these scriptures which we may come back and preach about. I don't know. There's things in here that I want to say. But, but at the moment, I'm just not quickened to say it. Watch this verse. I was looking at it today. This is associated with the glory of God as well. And he's talking about the glory of God. If you'll back over to chapter 3 and start at verse 8. And read all the way down through chapter 4 down to verse 18. You'll see that there's a lot of things being spoken about concerning the Spirit of God, the New Covenant, the New Testament, the, uh, the, the glory of God. Various different things are being mentioned. And, and so they're all kind of tied together and we can do that, but not tonight. 
from verse 15, he said, uh, 14, he said, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you, where all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Now, I never had looked up that word till today, but that word there means superabounding. It means that grace. Now, a lot of people interpret that as the unmerited favor of God. And it is the unmerited favor of God. But it is also the enablement of God to do what He tells us to do and calls us to do and be. It's His empowerment in a, in a manner of speaking. Uh, Paul said, I say through the grace given unto me. He says that repeatedly throughout some of his writings. I say it through the grace given unto me. I say certain things because God enabled me to say it by grace. He knew his calling. He knew what came along with his calling. And he knew that grace is what helped him to do what it was he, uh, that he needed to do. So it is unmerited favor. Let me say it this way. I'm going to tell you anything that God gives us and enables us to do through his supernatural power is unmerited favor. We didn't earn not one dime of it. Not one bit of it did we earn. Nor can we earn it. And it's the same thing about, the, about, the, about other things throughout the Scripture. And the glory of God's one of them. But there's some things that we can do to help us walk in the way so the Spirit of God can come upon us. So it means, uh, the, it redound means to superabound in quality and in quantity. To the glory, the word there is doxa, the Greek word for glory, of God. It also means exceeding a certain number or measure. Meaning to go above and beyond with your thanksgiving. Well, I think about that scripture where he said he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power of God that works on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Amen. Is that right? Now go with me please to Hebrews 10 because we're just kind of flat footing it through here tonight. Flat foot preaching through here tonight. And, uh, and so we want to get another verse before you. It goes back once again. This one will associate with with those verses in Corinthians as well. Chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. Uh, if I can find it. Amen. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, <clears throat> which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now, <clears throat> we're talking about finding, uh, finding how to operate in the glory of God. We're going to see an example or two here in a minute. So he says, uh, we, we enter into the holy of holies, the holiest, into the holiest place, which would be the, beyond the veil, which Jesus tore down by his, through his flesh and gave us access into what the Old Testament know as the ark of God's presence. In our New Testament terminology, would be into the glory of God, gave us access to the glory of God. Through him we have access. And so we have access right into the very glory of God. You know, there's a little point I want to make. How is it that we have Old Testament saints who are not born again, did not know Jesus, did not know Jesus as Lord and Savior? They knew Jehovah only in a legalistic manner, because the law, even though it was written and it was a glorious law, and when Moses received it, he received it in the presence of God, caused his face to shine with the glory of God. But the only thing it could produce in a here was the fact that they could not do it, and there was death. Uh, 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 for them because they could not keep that law. So you've got a lot of people that are, are, are bound and don't have any liberty because they're trying to work their way in to something. And you cannot work your way into those things of God. You have to do it. You have to go God's way. 
There's a way. You used to have a message on my product table. There's a way. There is a way into the Holy of Holies. That's through the person of Jesus Christ. That means now we have access to walk right in boldly to the throne of grace. All right? Let me ask you a question. If you don't understand what I'm saying, if you was allowed to step out of this body for a moment and was allowed to uh, uh, go to heaven, you would appear before the throne of God. Would you think there'd be any presence or glory there? If you left this body and just went right up to heaven right now in your spirit, man, would there be any, would there be any glory there? I mean, obviously there's going to be glory there. But, and so, and there's a river that flows out of the throne of God, and then there's one that flows out of your belly. I'm, I'm convinced that probably that river flows right into that one in your belly, and that's the one that flows right out through you. <laughs> Amen. That river's full of life. It's full of healing. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. Amen. Hallelujah. Make you alive down on the inside. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. The Thank God. You're, there's a living, flowing, moving of the Spirit of God that can flow out of the throne of God right through you. Well, if we can come boldly to the throne of grace, it means whether we are on this side or that side, on that side we're going to realize it a lot more. But on this side, we're still going to the same throne that still has the same glory. And that same glory can come and flow down upon you and I out of that throne and flow down through us. Out of your belly shall, shall once again flow rivers of living, life-giving, empowering, whatever else you need, water. Which is the type of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. So, And then we talk about that veil. Uh, Corinthians talks about that veil being rent. And a place into the holy presence of God provided. Then look, watch this now, because this is part of the process of entering into God's presence. It says here in verse 22, Let us draw near, mean to worship. That word draw near means to worship. With a truthful heart, in full assurance or entire confidence, uh, of, of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without waving, for he is faithful that promised. And, and well, I could go on and on and on. But the point is, let, he, we can. Why would he say draw near if we can't? We can. Draw near for what? Just for the sake of saying I drew near? Huh? What is it? Uh, I don't think I finished what I wanted to say a while ago. Why is it Old Testament saints can see more of the glory of God than we've seen the new? Well, I'm telling you what the Scripture says in Hebrews, what we have is better. There, what they had could not be completed until what we had. Do we have what we have. It's so much life in here right now that I can't understand. <laughs> I think your brains are working. You need to come off and let's preach your spirit a little bit because I feel like we're working you some. But uh, it's okay because we're trying to get through, through a certain point. It'll take us a little while to get there, but we may have to preach to midnight in order we see some, one of you fall over in the floor. And, and pass out, and then we'll raise you from the dead and go on from there. Is that fair enough? <laughs> I'm having a little fun with you. I, I don't think you're resisting me. I just think it's, it's mm, we're working a little bit harder tonight than we usually do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, yeah, we, we, yeah, whether we need to or not, we're going to have to. Now, uh, so we're talking about the presence of God. Now, there's right and wrong ways to enter the presence of God. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Reigning. 
the blood.